0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, USCfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham.
0: Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. On a Tuesday, I'm joined by Chris Trevino. We're going to talk all about USC. Trojan football today on the podcast. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can call or text us at 424 254 9141. That's the number. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. And if you have any questions for future shows, you can send it to the email or call us or text us. Any of those things do a great job to reach us that way. Uh, we got to talk about USC's latest offensive line commitment, uh, big news around the Trojan football program. Listened to a lot of what, or everything, that Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner had to say this morning, the first the opening of Big Ten Media Day. So I'll let you know some of the news and notes from that about USC and, of course, UCLA joining the Big Ten in 2024. And, of course, Pac-12 Media Day is coming up on Friday. So we want to talk uh, about all of that stuff. If you have the Apple Podcasting app, please subscribe. Follow us over there at the Parasol Podcast. Tell your friends. Uh, leave us a, a five-star review. That helps a lot. We've got a bunch of them uh, recently. So thank you for that. Um, and you know, leave us a review. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. We love to hear from you, and all of that. Let's bring in uh, my co-host Chris Trevino. Uh, yeah, Chris, how you doing, man?
1: Pretty good. Pretty good. A couple of notes. Yeah. Do you feel more pressure to you know to nail the hello, knowing that it's a live show? Um, you can't. You can't mess it up.
0: I thought about that like right before <laughs> we went live because sometimes I've, every once in a while,
1: I I've do only that. seen it once. And I've I, only I, seen my it. My voice once.
0: cracks and stuff. If we're doing it live, it's just we're doing it live. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, there's nothing. Uh, if I if it cracks, it cracks. I thought you you attempted.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. that because I filled in as the host last week. Me and Shotgun. Yeah, nice job, out. by the way. Thank you, thank you. Shout and out to Trader Joe's. Thank you. Thank you for doing. And that. yeah, I wasn't even gonna attempt to try that. Oh, okay. I wasn't even gonna attempt. It was a joke. Sort I just. Started. I, I well. I had no intention of even trying the full go. I wasn't even like giving it a serious go. But I'm glad you're back. I'm glad that you get to put me on screen again because it was nice not having to be on screen for a week. (laughs) Um, my My second point is we need the helmet back. Yes. By the time... Season rolls around. It's fine for the summer, but by the time season ro- rolls back, I need the helmet back. I just
0: texted Nicole because she borrowed it for something, some kind of photo shoot or something, mm-hmm. and uh, she's left. So it's probably at her parents' house in Manhattan Beach, so I'll get it at some point. Uh, if you're listening on our Peristyle podcast feed, thank you for that. Any of the podcasting apps, we are on, of course. But we're also doing this uh, live on YouTube. We've been doing this for a while. YouTube.com slash Inside Troy is our uh is the address you can go there we've we've done these shows um live so it's kind of fun to do um you know to do these and we get the video element of it we'll put some pictures up and some some b-roll you can at least see our faces as we're uh, recording and everything and you can see me we have a comment already um lol what's with the shades is it bright in there no it's not really bright in there it's um,
1: because usc's future is so bright USC's future is
0: very bright.
1: He watched the Big Ten media day-to-day, and that's what he saw, and he was like, I got to put some shades on.
0: Yeah. Uh, otherwise, but the reason I was gone last week is I was like hiking and camping all over Catalina Island again. i go there quite a bit, but I love it over there. And uh, long hikes. I have four nights of camping out in the, the wilderness. I tried to you know, fight this buffalo. No, I actually got really close to a buffalo on one of the hikes, which is you're not really supposed to do, but like he was coming in one direction, and we just kind of walked around. But I got a good picture of him. It was cool. I didn't fight the buffalo. That wasn't. That would have been way cooler. Literally setting up my tent, I fell on my face, like setting up my tent after a long hike, and got a pretty good shiner. Uh, scrapes on my face, so I just wore, I'm wearing shades today. So that's why we're doing it. Um,
1: but yeah, it's quite the shiner. I'm gonna see if I can get him to take it off. I'll try. So yeah, I'd
0: like to show you. I don't want to do like the whole show. It'd be a distraction. Like this, <laughs> not that this isn't a distraction too, but fell right on your face. Very packed twelve of you, Ryan. Oh my God. I completely Larry Scotted it right on my face. It was uh it was bad. Just you know, that many days sleeping outside and you know, you're we moved campsite, so you're like, you know, setting up camp, taking it down, hiking miles and miles, going uphill, you know. You're backpacking. Yeah. So it's like, you know, some of that stuff. Uh we ate pretty good, but you know, otherwise. Um, okay, so let's. we want to get into uh, our sponsor, Trader Joe's, real quick. And you did a great job with the read last week. Thank you for for doing that. Um, go over to TraderJoe's.com. I think Chris talked about the uh, popsicle bars last week. I haven't tried those, but I'm a big fan of the, the summer popsicle, so I'll try that. I like checking out their website, and uh, they do contests every once in a while. This month they did a corn recipe contest. Uh, and then just tra- check out those recipes because they look kind of cool. The grand prize was a corn and hatch chili cupcake with honey buttercream. I thought that was appropriate. Wow. So, you know, maybe we should make that instead, because um, <laughs> you know the Trader Joe's did it. But they also had a, a cheesy jalapeno corn dip and uh, a grilled peachy polenta planks. So they all look really tasty over at TraderJoe's.com. So you can kind of go over there and uh, check that out. But yeah, wh- wh- yeah. When are we doing this? Uh, Takeoff. off by the way.
1: Look, I've been training, and we said at the end of the month.
0: All right. Well, it's getting close. Right. Uh, And plus, Pac-12 Media Day is coming. I don't know if we're going to have time to... It might have to do it the week after Pac-12 Media Day, like before fall camp starts. That might be a good time to do it. Sure.
1: You think? I I think that's fair.
0: Uh, Sweet. All right. So we do have some... It will be
1: sweet, like my victory. All right.
0: Uh, I've never made those kind of cupcakes, but we have... uh... Some breaking news, everybody! Look at this, All right, Chris. Where are the offensive line commits? Where where are they? What's going on? Uh, Is what you
1: would have said <laughs> three weeks ago.
0: Yeah. Uh, news coming out. It was yesterday, right? Yesterday, like today, yeah. On Monday, um, you want to tell everyone uh, the the latest with uh, uh, Micah Benuelos. Benuelos. Sure. Yes.
1: Uh, you know, committed. Had a final three. Of Texas A&M, Oregon, and the Trojans. But in reality, this was more like a Pac-12 fight between the Ducks and USC. And it was a a really tight recruitment. And, you know, going into it, I was told this is basically a flip; It's 50-50. And then, you know, by the end, the Trojans had pulled this one out. And it had boded well for USC kind of going into this because Micah was scheduled to make a commitment on July 4th. And July 4th was not a great day. For USC, in terms of commitments, there were several targets that were that were committing that day. None of them went USC's way, including, you know, obviously the big offensive tackle, Francis Malayoga. But last minute, Micah decided to push back to to yesterday, the 25th, which, you know, Oregon had the momentum going to July 4th. So that's just great news for USC. That was a good thing for them. Give them more time. You know, he's having doubts about maybe, maybe the Ducks were the place I want to be. No, you know, think about it a little more Trojans and... Credit to Josh Henson, who was one of his first recruits uh, when he w- when he was a, a younger prospect. You know, one of the first recruits out of Texas A&M. That's why the Aggies were in it also at the end because they had built a long relationship from when Henson had started there, and that kind of carried over. But Henson now being at USC was it was a a big boost uh, for his recruitment. You know, six foot two, listed at two ninety, but he's a little bit heavier than that right now. He's about two ninety eight, three hundred. He kind of flexes between those two. But a four-star prospect in the 24-7 sports rankings. We are much higher on him than others. You know, the composite, he is a a three-star prospect, I think in the 800 range overall. But number 59, interior offensive lineman for the 24-7 sports composite. But he is the number uh, 13, I believe, or 16. Uh, One of those two. I'm sorry, I I get a lot of recruits mixed up. Number 13, yes. So number 13, interior offensive lineman. In the twenty four seven sports uh, rankings, so he is a four star prospect for us. Not in the top two four seven, but a four, a non top two four seven four star. And you know he's the third offensive lineman commit. They're getting some big boys. You know Tobias Raymond, six foot seven, two fifty. He's more of a project guy. They're gonna have to put some weight on him, put him in the weight room, stuff like that. But you know he's a big boy along with Amos Talalele, six foot five, three thirty, big tackle. So. You know they're building those trenches, and uh, USC has a nice foundation with these three guys. Mike has already said, you know, I'm going after Alani Noah, who's a NorCal guy. You know, uh, six foot four, three thirty himself. So they're building some Polynesians. They're building that wall down there uh, with this offensive line class. I know a lot of people are like, you know, where's the five stars? Yeah. Where's the blue chips? And you know USC can't sit and wait around. You know for Francis Mauioga or Lucas Simmons, who were their top blue-chip guys on their board. You can't wait around, Ryan. Got to do some recruiting now. I know they don't sign until December, but you can still put in some groundwork, build that foundation. You know, you get Alani Noah committed. That's four offensive linemen. Then you can kind of have a great season and kind of play for a flip down the line, especially with a guy like Lucas Simmons, especially if Florida State commits. But I think a lot of people would be ecstatic if, you know, this class holds. You get Alani Noah who is a three-star prospect, and then you get a, a Lucas Simmons. I think a lot of people would be ecstatic with that kind of class. And, you know, we've said they're going to sign five guys because they need to sign some bodies because they they're losing a lot. But this is a really good pickup, and this is a guy who could be, you know, a consensus four-star recruit down the line when other recruiting services maybe bump him up, check his tape. But, you know, Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, those guys are really high on him. Yes. So he's sort of an under underrated kind of prospect and go watch the tape. He's a mauler. You know, he plays left tackle and defensive line, but he is not a left tackle. He is not going to be a left tackle uh for the Trojans. He is an interior offensive line prospect. And you know, a lot of people have been saying center. Yes, he could end up as a center prospect, which is something that Henson specializes in. He, he puts out a lot of he puts out a lot of good centers. So, this was one of their top targets at that center position. So, it's a really good pickup, and it's a really nice addition to this class. And now that's two. I tweeted this out yesterday. This is the two. second tight recruitment that USC has pulled out at the end. You know they've struggled at a couple of recruitments to close, but these last two, Taka Curtis and Mic- Micah Benuelos, all both tight recruitments. USC closed, so I think that's a good sign, and that's momentum building as you you know transition into the fall and kind of close out your summer.
0: Yeah. Uh, We're getting some questions about uh, the rankings. Sure. uh, For sure. So uh, 247 Sports has their own recruiting rankings. So a lot of times we report on the composite rankings, which takes all the other recruiting services and averages them out, essentially. Which is four. There's four four other ones. Well, I I believe... Three other, including us. Yeah. I believe ESPN didn't have Micah ranked. And I think that's one of the main reasons why, or they had him... Like not in the which you know they're kind of notorious for that not really knowing like West Coast specific specifically like Pacific Northwest guys. ESPN
1: is loafing on rec- recruiting rankings. Let yes. me show you my surprise face. Right, like, uh, oh.
0: um, yeah. So I feel like that's going to be uh, rectified at some point. But don't don't look at this as a three star. This is a four star offensive lineman. It's not a five star offensive lineman. Not you know quite a two four seven what uh, offensive lineman. But I would say yeah, someone that you know I think USC fans should be happy about we had a a question um was nil a factor in landing benuelos what do you think chris i mean nil is a factor in everybody i think yeah
1: i think nil is a factor for everyone it just kind of varies uh from recruit to recruit obviously it's it's a little bit more when you're talking about it's a little bit more uh impactful when you're talking about you know five-star guys because you know they're going to all these big time programs. They're getting all these visits. They're getting all these NIL pushes. A lot of these big programs, they have collectives. You know, you're hearing from their collectives. You're hearing all this stuff. So that, I think, weighs a little bit more with these guys. But I don't think NIL was sort of a deciding factor, which has been, you know, the sort of wink wink thing for a lot of other prospects that USC has been involved with. And Micah kind of said the biggest thing for him was the fact that USC was going to the Big Ten. He said that was sort of like, The point that kind of maybe pushed them over the top a little bit, the fact that they're going to the Big Ten and they're going to play, you know, the best competition out there. And obviously USC needs some big uglies for the trenches when they go into Big Ten play. So I think that played more of a factor, the conference realignment for USC than NIL. But NIL did obviously have some impact uh, as it does with all all these guys, even though, you know, that's not really something a lot of kids say right there out in the open you know oh Nil is a huge for me if you ask <laughs> nine out of ten kids a lot of them are gonna say oh Nil is like not that it's not, it's not that important but right when you when you're when you, it's all, when you're talking about it in the back end you know I think a lot of I think it's more impactful than kids led on to and their families led on to but I would say more so this one was more so like the conference and Josh Henson and sort of building that. That offensive line class.
0: Yeah, I think as they build up the the boulevard, you know, with the stay doubted, you know, that stuff, I think that's more of a longer term play. I think people are getting more, you know, accompanied to what's going on there. Um, we had, let's see, we had a comment uh, from Roland. Hey, when's your next fishing trip? Let's do a tunnel vision charter. Fight on. We could do one. What's that mean? Uh, like do a charter. We could get a bunch of people to go on a boat. Um, I don't know. I caught a big, uh, even after I got my black eye, shore fishing up there. I didn't yeah. have a boat. Uh, a big guitar fish it was like i mean it's a, a shovel notes guitar fish but it was probably i don't know four feet long or something but it was like I was holding it up it's all wrangly and stuff you got put a picture on my instagram um
1: I've never been you never boat been fishing? fishing boat fish I've been fly fishing didn't oh. catch anything um but I've never been boat fishing no oh yeah you gotta go well we did this off the shore because I
0: didn't have a boat over there where we were just because we were hiking I just had like a little pole attached and but I caught this big fish on the small pole I don't know how like I was like pretty you lucky got the to touch. L- lucky to bring you it. Got in. the touch. It well, worked. Um, okay, we got to talk about some big ten news. Uh, I don't. I need like a something audio. You need, you need something. Yeah, you for need like it. for the Big Ten. When we talk, because we're going to talk a lot of Big Ten stuff. Uh, big Ten Media Day started uh, this morning, but early. You know, so I went. I did. The, I went to the gym at like six and. Uh, Got back. I had to get back at by six fifteen, no seven fifteen, because that's when Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, was scheduled to speak. Oh, and before we get into this, I have to give someone a shout out. Spectra at Spectra uh, Ninla. Uh, remember when I we did like a I gave a, like a last minute shout out on the podcast, or I, I put on Twitter like, hey, anyone that signs up for our special in these last couple hours, will give you a shout out on the podcast. Okay, totally forgot. So uh, at Spectra. Nyla, Ninla, uh, just wanted to give you a shout-out. I told you I would. I tweeted you would, so I, I forgot I mentioned that. Um, but I put it in my notes here when I saw that Kevin Warren stuff. Okay, so Kevin Warren takes the, the the podium. It was about 45 minutes or so he spoke. And then this was all on the Big Ten Network, which I can get in my house really easily. they very different than the Pac-12 Network. Yes, nice flex. Little flex for the Big Ten Network. Uh, watched all of his opening comments. And then they went through the coaches. Uh, They did six coaches today, ended with Harbaugh, started with Scott Frost from Nebraska, a bunch of guys in between, Kirk Ferentz and a bunch of guys. But anyway, at the end, the Big Ten Network uh, studio crew had Kevin Warren. And again, so he had a few more notes there. So I'll kind of go over some of the notes with you, Chris, and we can discuss some of the stuff, what's going on. He had a pretty long preamble, uh, which gave you a little Larry Scott feel. Like sometimes he's just talking about other things. And there there were some cool projects they were doing or whatever. That's fine. Didn't mention the USA, UCLA thing until uh, almost 15 minutes into his talk. So that was a little bit strange. But uh, he said, you know, he talked about expanding into a third, you know, another time zone. The th- you know three major media markets um, that they have covered. They have New York, uh, Chicago, and now Los Angeles. And he really talked about uh, being bold, Um you know, leadership and all kinds of, they use those terms like kind of over and over again. Um, But the fact that they could be in three major media markets, they can use that for corporate partnerships and and activation. So uh, definitely you could see the aspect of being on the West coast. He talked about, you know, opening up different time zones as far as like advertisers and stuff go, but also being able to have games throughout the day. Content baby content, content, expanded content. um, You have, that morning game, like when you wake up here on the, the, you know, you turn on nine a.m., like right after game day or or what the Fox uh, you know, big noon kickoff, there's a game at nine a.m. And it's usually like Purdue versus Indiana or something like that. It's a Big Ten game. But now you can have that big and the Big Ten's long over, you know, um, by the time the, the night games come around. But now you can you can have a nightcap. Yeah, like that that seven thirty, whatever the seven PM game. Uh, you know, in Los Angeles or 730 or whatever, that's that's big for the Big Ten. They didn't have that. So he talked about that a little bit. Um, they was asked, well, he, uh, he talked about expansion and, and that they would. Expansion isn't necessarily over, um, but they're only going to do it for the right reasons. So he talked about that a little bit. So there was a lot of speculation about are they going to you know add more teams? Seemed like he was cool the way things were, but they were going to do things you know, whatever, quote unquote, the right way and figure things out. But so he, he didn't look, didn't say we're not expanding anymore, but he didn't say like, yeah, we're, we're actively looking for it. It really has to be, everything kind of has to line up. And a lot of that has to do with the media deal, which he didn't make any announcements on besides the fact that they were very close to it, which they've been for a while. Of course, USC and UCLA kind of changes that a little bit. He was asked about specifics about the media deal. Didn't really have, uh, he wasn't going to give out any numbers, you know, of course, he wasn't. But, you know, they're going to make a lot of money. Like all these teams are going to make a lot of money. Um, you know, they were at USC. The big thing, the biggest note in this whole thing for USC and UCLA is full share from the get go. USC and UCLA joined in 2024. They get, if everyone's getting 100 million, USC and UCLA are getting 100 million. Wow. They get a full share. So back in 2010, Nebraska joined. They didn't get a full share for six years it's a long time it's a long time and now now the money the payouts back then were like 14 15 million and stuff and by the time they ended that 6 years it actually worked out cuz Nebraska was getting like 40 million or whatever like they were getting a lot of money in like 2016 when they became a full share so i think it it would have been different if they, if everyone was getting 100 million and they were getting like 60 it's still a lot of money but um it was more in the teens i think then and then by the time their their full share came across then they were getting 30 million or more. I know Maryland and Rutgers also did not get full shares for several years. And I think Maryland got a little bit more money to pay exit fees out of the ACC. So they, they got a little bit better deal.
1: Do you know how many years it was before they, off the top of my head? I don't, I want to say it was like five years, something like that,
0: five, four years, maybe. Um, So pretty big news. It doesn't, I mean, it's not shocking. It would have been shocking if they didn't get a full share because like, why would you leave anyway? Like you're in a, you're in a position of power if you're USC and, you know, UCLA, you know. Our okay. LA
1: market is worth a lot. The LA so. market's worth a ton.
0: And so there were there, there wasn't going to be a join, like, oh, you can join. We're doing you a favor. Um, it's one of those things. So um, they, he was asked about the travel. Um, you know, that comes up mm-hmm. a bunch. Mm-hmm. He said he, you know, he grew up in an academic household, like everyone was in academics. Um, and there were a lot of student athletes there. He says he takes it seriously. Uh, he tries not to focus on the issues, but the opportunities. And they have two years basically to come up with a plan to mitigate any of the, you know, risks to student athletes or inconveniences and things like that. So it doesn't sound like they they finalized everything, but they're like, hey, we got, we, we got two years to do this and figure it out. And I think there's going to be things like, Chris, you know, they're like, well, what if you have to go to uh, Minnesota in November? Like, wouldn't Minnesota Rattler come to Los Angeles in November? Like, there'll probably be more home games late in the season for USC and UCLA in the conference. I'm just guessing, um, you know, time, what what time games are, how the travel's going to work, uh, things like that. So we've, I, I think, you know, they they understand it and they're going to, you know, they're going to take a couple of years to kind of plan things out. So I I don't see a big issue with that. But that's, that's something that's come up a bunch, Chris. Right. I feel like every
1: week we get a question about travel or you know what it'll be like on the athletes and we just don't know yet and but obviously they have two years to sort of figure out a plan and and sort of make sure it works for everyone involved and not just obviously football but like soccer yeah lacrosse softball whatever it may be just just a plan to get everybody to a point where it works for everyone and and, you know someone's not losing in the in the situation of you know going all the way to the East Coast during, you know, finals or something like that. So they yeah. have time to figure it out and they need to figure it out. Cause that is uh an important aspect of this of this deal that it's a big talking point and it needs some sort of it needs answers. Right. But they have they have time to, to find those answers and give those answers.
0: And you know, by the two years from now, I, I think part of it is there could be more expansion, you know? And right. I think the whole game changes if Like, Oregon and Washington are at it, or Notre Dame and Stanford. Like, if there's another West Coast team in the mix, that changes a lot of stuff. If it's only USC and UCLA, that's going to be, you know, in 2024, you know, that's a different plan than if there's three or four West Coast teams or more. Who knows? Um, He's also in favor of conference expansion. Uh, So, he said they're going to work out the details. Um, He did mention protecting the bowls. He, you know, likes that. He He talked about the Rose Bowl a little bit. Uh, but he would like to open it up to more media partners. So ESPN owns the college football playoff that ends in 2025. I don't know if we'll be able to get a new deal before that ends. But some of it, and I think what George Klavakoff was saying too was like, you know, hey, we want this to be open up to everybody. You know, and uh, you know, we the NFL doesn't have ABC show every playoff game. They have you know CBS or NBC and and ESPN, like they're all able to show. And I I feel like that's what a lot of people are envisioning now. It could be big enough that you have multiple media partners doing it and it wouldn't just be owned by ESPN. And he'd mentioned Fox and Big Ten Network, which is mostly owned by Fox, uh, many times. So that's, you know, this could be an ESPN versus Fox thing. But uh, in favor of conference expansion, just like the SEC, you know, Greg Sankey talked about you want to have expansion? Like they don't care. They want a whole bunch of at-large bids because a lot of the SEC teams would get in there. I think Kevin Warren's the same way. Like, hey, we've got a lot of good teams. If you know more at-large bids is good for us. So I, I feel like now that we're kind of getting into the two super conference area, I think we're going to see you know a conference. Exp- I mean a playoff expansion
1: push. But he's all for it right now. For Chris. sure, absolutely, yeah. and obviously that's the way it's looking like it's going to go. I know there's been some pushback on it, but. It just makes sense to just like open it up even further. Yeah, I'm not saying like 20 teams or whatever, but just just a little bit more. Just just open the doors a little bit more. Mike Leach wanted 64. There were there. there
0: were, you I, go. I saw someone tweeting about it. Might have been uh, Pete Thamel about 16 uh, talking about that today. I, the 12 I kind of grew on me. Like I didn't really like 12 at first, and I kind of grew on me. So yeah, I think I'd rather really stick with 12 if we do that. 12 seems right. Um, there's a lot of changes, stuff going on here. So the question and answer period, um, he says, you know, you could look at change as a problem. Hey, this is different than I used to do it or an opportunity. He tries to do that, be aggressive, embrace the change. Um, and that, you know, that's just talking about being aggressive and getting a team, you know, programs like USC and UCLA. He was asked about how it started and he got asked about the, you know, the USC UCLA talk. Um, he, he grew up on the West coast, uh, Arizona, his dad played at ASU uh, he, saw, he said that they had talked about expansion even before he got the job. So that when they were doing the interview, that was a topic. You know, expansion was something that was brought up there. So, um, and he talked about athletics uh, being a huge part of this, but you know, academics, you know, is a big part of it too. Having a powerful alumni base, and he started mentioning, you know, uh, famous alumni from USC and UCLA, like Steven Spielberg or Jackie Robinson. Um, you know, the graduation rates for both schools being very high. The largest, um, uh, the largest alumni base of Big, Tw- of Big Ten schools outside of the Midwest is in Los Angeles. So all that okay. stuff kind of played a factor of why USC and UCLA sort of would be, you know, perfect fits uh, for this. But it, so it makes
1: so- sense on multiple levels.
0: It does. And, and the fact that this was brought up while he was being, you know, interviewed is kind of interesting. And then he, Later on, when he was interviewed in studio, he talked about, and COVID sort of, you know, allowed that, like, you're talking about these things in the interview, like, here's things we want to do, and then you get another job, everything gets real busy, right? Well, when they had the shutdown, he kind of had a chance to step back and, and oh, you know, remember that expansion stuff we talked about? Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, he also brought up, he would like to see some federal uh, legislation for NIL, doesn't want to see NIL used for recruiting and all that kind of stuff, which, you know, a lot of people had said. No one really talked about divisions. Um, you assume they're going to go away. People ask, "What divisions is USC used to go be in?" Like, I think by the time you get there, there's not going to be divisions. But that didn't come up at all. Um, he also, when he met with the hosts afterwards, so that was on the podiums, to, the podium
1: talk. Gotcha.
0: Some of the notes with the hosts. I'm sorry, there's a lot of notes, but it's all, you know, pertains to USC, you know, growing into the Big Ten. They'd uh, rather
1: hear this than a Pac-12 media day preview, Ryan. True. Okay. Remember that. Uh,
0: so, you know, the position that the, he's like, you know, he, he talks about this a lot, that there's a first world problems, like some of the things you're dealing with. He said the Big Ten's in a, you know enviable position. Like there's a lot of other people who would like to be where the Big Ten is. Um, they, those hosts actually pressed him on the timeline, too, about when they added, you know, going to add USC and UCLA. Um, and he kind of talked about that same stuff, um, you know, for before, but didn't really say like, oh, we started in February and then with this, but he did say that USC and UCLA approached them. So this is what we had, you know, talked about in the war room before that you know, we felt it started on the USC side. Uh, and I didn't really see anyone really tweet about it. I tweeted about it. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Like he's he didn't say like we reached out to the the LA schools because we thought they were a great fit. It was more, he said USC and UCLA approached us. And we already had a bunch of research
1: done, and, and we knew that this would be a good fit. So I mean, that doesn't surprise me with, you know, kind of the way Mike Bone and then, you know, Brandon Sosna operated. You know, they were going to be aggressive. Yes. And they were going to make moves that put USC in position. And sometimes you got to make the first move, Ryan. Sometimes you got to make the first move. And especially for a move this big, you know, it makes sense to, you know, initiate yeah. and not wait. So I thought that was
0: cool that, they, you know, he had put that out there. Um, I mean— I don't know if people assume that, whatever, but it hadn't. You know, we hadn't heard from the commissioners and stuff talk about these kind of things. So, uh, you know, we'll hear from, you know, uh, George Klavakoff on Friday. But that was interesting what he said. Uh, asked about the Rose Bowl because um, obviously that's important part. He said he's had conversations with the people at the Rose Bowl. It's been around for like hundred years. He said he'd be willing to sign a hundred year contract with them. Of course, on the Pac, I, I don't think it changes anything on the Big Ten side. If you're going to keep the Rose Bowl or it's going to be part of the playoff, if you're going to have a conference alignment with the Rose Bowl, I think the Big Ten continuing to do that makes sense. Teams that don't make the playoff, they can you know, end up going to the Rose Bowl. Now, if it's expanded, um, that's going to be tough because if you're getting like the fourth best team of the Big Ten go to the Rose Bowl because the first three went in the playoff. So all that stuff. But he's definitely willing to work with the Rose Bowl. The, the question is going to be on the Pac 10 side, the Pac 12 side what's going on there is the pack 12 going to be 14 teams are going to be 10 is it going to get broken up um so if if it diminished pack 10 it doesn't make sense to play against the champion of the big 10 you know so th- he's definitely willing to work with them but um you know that's it's kind of like where you are with that um you know he talked about tra- you know thinking of ways to minimize travel demands on the olympic sports when usc and ucla join the conference obviously that's important um so that's you know another one of those things and the, the Big Ten is putting committees to, committees together To work on finding different solutions um, You know, including multi-team events At neutral sites mm, So okay. that'd be kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Like you could do Oh, like we're going to have a, a mini baseball playoff uh, In Vegas or something and, and let people come out there um, Brett McMurphy also tweeted out That Kevin Warren told So I guess he talked to him uh, At Media Day he said, Kevin Warren told me He has not spoken with Pac-12 Commissioner George Kleofkoff since USC and UCLA announced they were leaving the Pac-12, but said his office is scheduling a call sometime after Friday's Pac-12 media day. So the the guy he had the alliance with,
1: uh, he hasn't spoken to. Yet. I wouldn't be surprised if his number's blocked. I would, <laughs> you know, I would not be shocked.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, sorry, there was a lot to kind of unpack there, but I would say, um. Yeah, it's. I thought it was interesting. It was definitely worth you know, getting up early. Uh, we're, I wonder if they're going to change the times of media days if the, when, when the L.A. schools are really involved. Uh, there was an L.A. Times reporter there. Just a little behind the curtain, too. I was going. I got credentialed to go to Big Ten media days, and just some of the flight stuff wasn't going to work. It was just going to be tough, uh, me coming off the vacation and everything. But uh, I'm talking with the people. With the Big Shiner. Ten. And well, I guess the that'd be cool. That'd be that'd be more stories there. Um,
1: Everyone be like, "Did you see the reporter with the black eye? Yeah, like, who
0: is Who's that, that guy? guy? <laughs> is that L.A. guy coming here, like, going <laughs> you know, beat up and stuff? Like, what? Make like, sure
1: it, to to look tough in the Midwest. Yes, yeah. that's why you got it to be like, oh, they gotta throw down out there in L.A. Yeah, like, oh, uh,
0: why is that dude that L.A. reporter? He comes here. Seems not even the conference, and uh, he's <laughs> already got a black eye. Like, what's going on? Um, Yes. People are asking later. I got a camping uh, accident uh, during my time in Catalina.
1: So he's made one funny. too many jokes about Maryland. That's the real, that's the
0: real like Chris. There's always a, mm. he's giving me like a pop right in the face. Uh, yeah, but I thought that was inter- interesting stuff. Uh, it will be interesting to hear from the other side, George Klyovkov. Um, I, there was mention of like, you know, not really anything of the Alliance anymore. No one even, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't see anyone talk about the Alliance. Uh, there's the only time, you know, McMurphy pressing him to ask about if he's called, you know, George Klyakov. It hasn't done that. So that's
1: kind of, that's kind of interesting. But, yeah. The Podcast of Champions should sell Alliance, like, Gravestone shirts. Oh, I like that. With just like, the da- what was the date of it? Like, 2021 to 2022 or whatever? Yeah. Just like, like the
0: Alliance. Sorry, I forgot to put the Kevin Warren picture up there. Um, so, Kevin Warren... He had a lot to say this morning. And then George Kravkoff, who I like, Uh, Pactville commissioner. We'll get to hear from Who him. I like, too. Get to hear from him on Friday. Um, is this yeah. our transition into media day? Yeah, which is coming up. We're going to have a – I think we're going to have like a full contingency of uscfootball.com reporters at media day. Um, I do like hearing – if you haven't been to one, you know, you probably haven't. I do like hearing from everybody – Not just the USC people, because we hear from the USC people all the time, but uh, both. So you get a coach, you know, your head coach, uh, Lincoln Riley. All the head coaches are there, except last year, Nick Rolovich was not because he wouldn't get the COVID shot. And then he ended up getting fired for it and all this stuff. But um, yeah, so you get the head coach, Lincoln Riley, be there. And then the two player representatives are both. Guys that weren't on the team last year, and they're not freshmen. They're transfers. So Caleb Williams, the quarterback, Shane Lee, the linebacker, makes sense. Both been you know leaders. They've shown their leadership in the spring. And they're uh, DMV
1: boys. Both DMV boys. So there'll be three DMV boys uh, at Pactual Media Day.
0: I was talking with um, – I want to get his name right. Uh, one of the – so it's uh, Adam Newman, who is uh, – he's the chief of staff – uh, strategy and and operations uh, for the Big Ten, and he's a DMV guy too. There you go, DMV native. We're everywhere. So like, yeah. Um, but he was the one I was, I was talking to quite a bit, uh, and uh, it's cool. I told I, I told I was bummed I couldn't make it, but he's like, yeah, well, but I'll be out there. So I'll you know it was fun. I really wanted to surprise everyone and just show up at Big Ten Media Days. It just wasn't going to work out this year. But um, Pac-12 Media Days though. LA Live, right? It's uh downtown LA near USC. Oh, oh,
1: thank God. I thought it was Hollywood or something. No, I think LA it's LA Live. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that's, LA Live. That's right? much
0: easier. It is easier. Get, uh, getting to, and it's only one day, getting to like Hollywood, especially for where Chris and I are coming from. He's Long Beach, I'm South Bay. It's just tough to get up there. There's like no freeway that goes close. You're on like La Brea or something forever. Not that you guys care but um <laughs> it's just a pain care. to get to. we downtown, there's just a lot of freeways to get there. It's
1: just easier to get somewhere like that. So, I have a couple of uh follow-up questions for Pac-12 Media Day. This is the final like Power 5 Media Day, right? I believe so. So, SEC happened, Big 10 just happened.
0: Big 10 Big 10's happening today and tomorrow. Okay. Uh Big 12 happened and ACC happened.
1: Okay, so, so usually obviously Pac-12 Media Day is the final one typically, and it's like no one really cares. You know, but my my question is, do you think the uh Friday is going to be pretty jam-packed just because of obviously USC UCLA leaving and obviously Lincoln Riley is there, his first Pac-12 Media Day. Do you think it's gonna be pretty pretty busy? Relative to a normal Pactual Media Day. I think so because it's sort of like
0: – I don't want to say – I mean, it's like you're going to like a funeral or something almost, <laughs> right? Like you're right. – like everyone, you have to come and pay your respects. <laughs> like, you know, like would Bill Plaschke be there? Probably, but like he's okay. definitely going to be there. You yeah, know, I'm like,
1: talking like on a more national sense.
0: Yeah, I think you're going to get – there's – you know, because people wanted to ask Kevin Warren a lot of these questions because – We haven't heard a, you know, official big 10 statement outside of the statement that USC and UCLA are joining. We haven't heard anything from George Klyavkov. Uh, so just what his opening remarks are going to be, will be, um, yes, like there's going to be, you're going to need like a lot of time uh, to hear what he has to say. Uh, this is, it's tough, you know, like this is a, a really rough first year on the job for Klyavkov and, uh, you know, how is he going to address this? Is he going to give any details about what the PAC-12's plan is? You know, wh- any details on how that media negotiation window is doing, where they're you know they get 30 days uh, talking with ESPN? I think it's just ESPN. I don't even think it's Fox.
1: Yeah, I um, mean, it doesn't seem to be going well. I mean, if you've seen some of the figures on Twitter, it's like ESPN's offer is around $24 million per, school. per school, but Oregon and Washington don't want equal sharing yeah so they will obviously they want sort of the usc which usc should have been getting was like not equal revenue sharing so it's like he's just really stuck in a rock in a hard place it's like 24 million that's nothing that's peanuts yeah compared to what everyone else is getting and then it's like you have your two biggest schools right now saying no we want we don't want to share we don't want to equal right. share of the pie we want a, the bigger piece of the cake you know so it's just like a real real tough spot to be in for george
0: no and that's where, uh, roger had a funny comment debt collector's already getting half of ucla share yeah they're they have some uh athletic department budget issues but this will solve a lot of those um and we maryland, don't know what it's gonna
1: maryland be. same thing maryland? same thing with maryland we have the same issues yeah. so it, it, money many fixes everything maryland's and, got the under armor money and
0: big 10 money so that's pretty good like Oregon's got the Nike money, but they don't have like the big conference money yet. So, but that that was an issue before, and you know, I talked about this like, hey, USC and UCLA should would get a bigger share, and I, and people, will, I think after they left, they were like, oh, of course they would give that. But I don't think before they left, I don't think anyone believed they would leave, and they were like, no, we have, everyone has to go equal share. I don't think they that the the rest of the Pac-12 schools would want to do that, and now it's down to Oregon or Washington. You're like, well, how much better? Are these programs, do we want to give them more money? And then, you know, if they're the haves and the other one else the have-nots, then you kind of make the the gap even wider. But they're in a better position because those are bigger brands, just like USC and UCLA. They were in a better position with the market, the brands, the championships, the academics, all that stuff. They were desirable. It was a desirable pair for any conference they would want to bring in. That's why they get a full share when they join the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, Nebraska, you know, they won national championships in the 90s. You know, they were a dominant program. They had to wait six years to get a full share. So USC and UCLA brought a lot to the table. Oregon and Washington bring more to the table than the rest of the Pac-12 schools or the Pac-10 schools that are left. Do they get a a, a different share? I don't think they want to be locked in. You know, Klayovkov would like to lock everybody in. I don't think Oregon and Washington, they want to keep their options open. Um, You know, we still don't know. Is the Big 12 going to poach the Pac-12? Is the Pac-12 going to poach the Big 12? um is there going to be some sort of merger between any of the conferences some a deal you don't want to say alliance because that didn't work out very well um we still don't know what's going to happen with all that so that's why friday is going to be really interesting to me
1: yeah i think it's obviously i don't usually get excited for Pactual media day but this is probably the most intriguing exciting one that i'm looking forward to just just because i know you know the commission is going to get a lot of tough questions. It's going—I think it's going to be a madhouse for Lincoln Riley. Obviously, the conference has a Heisman contender in Caleb Williams, so he's obviously going to get a lot of uh, media people around his his booth during his time. So it's going to be a very packed house when USC steps up to talk, and then obviously when opening remarks kick off um, from George. So yeah, I, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of interest. Even though it's obviously we're moving towards a dead conference, but I think a lot of people want to come and and check it out. I think there's a lot of intrigue about what this conference media day is going to look like when you have all, you know, the writing on the wall for them. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: you that, got new, just if there was no conference expansion, you got like right. Lincoln Riley just being in the conference. Right. Is a big deal. Uh, but you also have, you know, Jake Dickert at Washington State. You know, he was, you know, the interim, so he was around. Uh, last year, but you got Lan Danning, we call him Lan Danning on the podcast of champions at at Oregon, you know, coming in from Georgia off a national championship, Uh, Caitlin DeBoer uh, up at, uh, at Washington, you know, taking over for Jimmy Lake. Um, There's a lot of interesting storylines and, you know, obviously the media rights deal coming up. Those things are all interesting, but it's all going to be trumped by, by this, by conference expansion. Um, we had a question from Kyle, is Oregon and Washington really bigger than Stanford? Um, yeah, so Stanford might get in with, as a, as paired with Notre Dame, but there's a lot of different factors like, yes, or, uh, Stanford's in a bigger media market. So that helps Stanford has the most national championships in all sports, you know, that helps, um, Stanford doesn't have the fan engagement that you would like. They're not bringing – they're bringing you into a market, but they're not – not even they're dominating that market. They're really not even a factor in the market. There's a bigger, you know, um, following and engagement with Oregon fans and Washington fans than Stanford fans. It's just sort of like a thing. But so there's – it's not like a – I mean, you can make a pecking order however you want it, but there's, there's things that Stanford brings to the table that Oregon and Washington don't, but there's a lot of things that are, you know, that the opposite too. So I would say, like if I'm, if I'm in a conference and I want to add, you know, a team, um, you know, Oregon, Washington is better than, I, than Stanford individually. But if Stanford comes in because they're going to come in with Notre Dame, you know, it's basically like I'm recruiting uh, the, the the five foot nine uh, little brother because his big brother will come and he's six foot four and runs a four, 440. So, do I really want, you know, is Stanford that important? Is the little brother that important? Well, it's important if it get, helps get you Notre Dame. So, if Notre Dame wants to come in with a partner, that partner's probably going to be Stanford. Uh, that's what gives the value. Like what John Wilder talked on Fine Bob about. What does UCLA bring to the table? Their association with USC. So, it's, uh, you know, they bring other stuff to the table too, but that's the big thing. They wanted the, you know, you're talking about the USC brand. And getting that in there, and it makes a lot of sense to have him paired with UCLA. Because UCLA has a ton of great stuff too, um, just not as much on the football side.
1: If that well makes set, sense. Well said. Yeah. Uh, Does uh, George get act- asked about his camping trip in Montana? Uh,
0: I don't know. Um, Kevin Warren was asked about his interesting summer. But he was in London at the time. So, so Klyavkov was only in, in Montana uh kevin war was in london so he wins that one he kind of trumps him on that but uh that you feel bad for for george you know and uh i don't know we'll see kind of what it goes but all right anything else chris you want to bring up we can uh take a break and get into questions
1: yeah that sounds good
0: all right well let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a minute
1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: All right, we're back here on the Parasol podcast. If you're on YouTube, that was a very, very short break. If you're listening on the podcast, we had to put a couple commercials in there, but thank you for listening uh, or watching wherever you are. We do appreciate that. I
1: need the count, count these, what? these people that are watching. Oh. Who's not paying attention to work right now? Oh, let's see. So live streaming. Ooh,
0: we're uh, like 242, pe- 236 what? right now, I think.
1: <laughs> watching.
0: Uh, yeah. Thank you for doing this in the middle of your
1: day. If you're at work right now, like not at home, like how are you getting away with this? Like how are you doing this? Some people you, work if, from if, home. if so many people, are if somebody just, in the comments can say. Are you discouraging people from watching us live in the middle I'm of the day? I'm just like. If you're, like, working in an office, like, how are you doing this?
0: I actually tweeted it out and put it on the Peristyle. Um, if you're not a member of the Parastyle, you should go over there, uscfootball.com. You can sign up for a dollar, and, man, we're, we're just ramping up. Tons of content going up, lots of things. Uh, check it out. But on the Peristyle, I posted that. So at least I gave people a little bit of heads up, but it was about a 10-minute heads up, um, not much longer than that. The fact that we do this – Usually, like, a random Tuesday and at a random time. It's not even, like, a set, like, hey, noon on Tuesday is when you're going to come watch. And people still watch live. I'm very impressed by that. So, thank you guys for all doing that. Give Everyone that's a, Give them
1: applause. Yeah. Oh, hold on. We give them applause. applause. Yeah. <clears throat> Imagine what it's going to be like during the season. What a Tuesday live stream is going to be like and, during the season.
0: And then one of the other factors in two years, like, when we're doing a, a preview if we're previewing USC Washington state, like on a show like this, like, you know, you might get a, a Kook fan in there or too. I like the Cougs a lot, but if you're doing like USC Michigan state, like we're going to have be like the comments are going to be inundated, you know, with Michigan state fans and, you know, interesting people. And, uh, it's just, it's just bigger. Like that's just, it's going to be a bigger experience, uh, for the football program, for us in the media, for the fans, for everybody. So, uh, all right, let's, we got a question. This is a little longer one. So we'll, uh, I think there's three questions in here, but I'll play it for you. It's a voicemail. Here you okay. go. Okay.
2: Hey, thanks a lot for the program. This is Rick from San Diego County. Um, I've got a few questions. You know, you keep talking about the transfer portal, but isn't the transfer portal, a lot of the guys are guys that couldn't make it in big five schools. Um, I, I haven't seen, like, blue-chip guys going in there that have started a bunch of time, um, except for maybe the skill position, which we've picked up. But I wonder about, you know, are these guys really qualified and can they help us? Um, in addition, can you please go through the offensive line to let us know who's going to be leaving next year? Because I'm really concerned that we're going to be losing a lot of players next year on our offensive line and then we are absolutely not doing a great job in improving the offensive line. So I see this is going to be a continued problem going on. Lastly, I don't think it's possible, but can you call, can the school or the football program call, let's say, Colorado? There's a lineman on that team, and I take it the football program can't call him and tell him to go to the portal and we'll pick him up. Um, But if he has friends that are players, can they do that? We would like to hear
0: what you think. Bye. Uh thanks for the voicemail there. A lot of stuff. Um, first off, when you're talking about, okay, transfer portal. I put a picture up of Caleb Williams. Like he's an impact five star, number one ranked player in the portal. Obviously, someone like that is going to make a huge difference. Um USC's got uh you know, linemen that have started um before uh who's the Tennessee lineman? Um couple years ago that came in and started right tackle why am i blanking on his name richard not richardson uh but uh but remember guys oh, like this
1: is painful you i did you I, snuck this one in me I this break, is like break a your blind brain. spot uh was, he led the team in false starts that's what i remember yeah uh but he was a star in there um if someone in the comments remembers you know help us out they'll put it in it's, there gonna, it's, gonna, it's gonna it's gonna bug but me even in.
0: back uh, this was like pre like portal portal but like a St- stevie tuli kolovato like the transfer portal is just basically a way to register and say, like, hey, I'm open to transfer, and that allows the contact. Your your third question we're talking about, that's basically tampering. Like, no, those USC coaches can't call a player from Utah and go, Hey, can you go in the portal and then we'll recruit you? They have to wait that. But if, you know, if they had a a kid on the USC's team that went to his high school and That player was like, hey, man, you should go in the
1: portal and come here. I'm sure that stuff happens all the time. That happens. We talked, me and Gerard talked about this on the Two Star Podcast when it came up with Jordan Addison and tampering charges. You know, that stuff happens in terms of, you know, players connecting. There's no rule against a player reaching out to his buddy. I mean, we even heard it with, you know, Brew McCoy and, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown and JT Daniels when they were on the team, you know, Bru even mentioned that they were recruiting, they were being recruited, they were recruiting Bru back to USC. Like that happens, and there's no. You, the only way is a tampering if you you prove that a coach told the players to do that, but you can't prove that. You know that that's that's nothing. You're never going to prove because the NCAA is pretty toothless at times, and you know that's so hard to prove. It's so hard to prove, and there's no rule against you know two players connecting like that. So, yeah, that happens all the time. Is it at the direction of a coach? Look, you're never going to prove that unless, you know, a coach is dumb enough to put that on paper trail or something like that, but you know, that happens. You know, these players know each other from high school or recruiting cir- or circles and uh camp circuits and stuff like that that they do, especially the bigger the big-time guys. Yeah. So, you know, that happens. Definitely players are recruiting players. Uh, you know, maybe trying to get them to they they get a whisper of you know oh, such and such you know didn't play a lot his freshman season he's not here he's not happy you know we did a couple camps together let me let me let me hit him up see what see what he's thinking see if he's going on the portal something like that that that's usually how it goes down
0: yeah and then the the, the transfer portal is not full I mean there's a lot of guys in transfer portal there's plenty of guys that maybe they weren't making it on their team there's there's usually multiple reasons why a player's in the portal there's tons of guys that were just like. I want a different opportunity. Um, I mean, Quinn Ewers goes from Ohio state to Texas. Or you say like, he's like a cast off. Like, no, he was a former number one player in the country. Um, You know, Joe Burrow transferred from Ohio state to LSU and, and won the Heisman trophy. I mean, the, you know, the, the guys that Lincoln Riley won with, you know, Baker Mayfield transferred, uh, Kyler Murray transferred like, there's a lot of amazing transfers in there but the it's a hot commodity whenever a, a great player goes in the transfer portal from all different positions um and it's just going to be part of the recruiting process now so you wouldn't say you can't poo-poo everyone that's in the transfer portal as someone that's terrible like there's a bunch of players that aren't as good they're going to drop down from power five to group of five or group of five to you know FCS whatever it is there's going to be some of that but there's also a lot of great
1: players so you can't ignore it um, and, and there's also, just to point out, there's guys who weren't highly recruited out of college and became stars yeah. and became impact players. And it happens all the time in basketball. You know, a guy who goes to a mid-major and becomes a star at the national stage. And then maybe we're going to start seeing more of this, you know, mid-major guys who want the opportunity to play at a high division or a higher higher level in terms of the power five. And that happens in football, too. You know, uh, Isaiah Land, who you're probably like, who is that? He was a... Uh, a uh, a uh, pass rusher um, from, you know, historic H-, H historically black college, H B C U. Yeah. And, you know, he led the nation in sacks at like 15 or something. And, you know, he decided, you know, I want to play at division one power five. And he, he ended up entering the portal and was a hot commodity. There are plenty of guys that, you know, for whatever reason, maybe they were under recruited or they didn't develop until late. And, they end up getting a second chance. Maybe that's as a grad tr- transfer. Maybe they want look. I played, you know, four years here. I started for you guys. I did a lot, but I want to see something else. I want to. I want to try to play at the next level. You know, do do play at a play at a higher conference or what what have you. So, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, like Solomon Bird, you know, he was a freshman All American at uh, Wyoming. You know, Wyoming's not a superpower or, or what. You know, I know uh, Josh Allen was there for a little bit, but they're not yeah. considered a superpower like that and you know he broke out had you know 11 half sacks and you see a guy like that enter the portal that's someone who can help you now you know you always kind of think oh how is it going to translate you know playing in the uh, Wyoming to you know USC or Ohio State or wherever they go but there are guys at all levels that can help any team Um, and it's about fit and some guys just want the opportunity to play at that highest level so a lot of those guys became stars or wherever they're at, and they want to try it out and being a star at the next level. Yeah. Uh, Drew Richmond is the... Uh, Drew Richmond, yes. Yeah. is that a... I l- uh, you looked
0: it up? I looked it up, but also we had a comment. I just put it up on the screen, so thank right. you
1: for that. I had never thought of Drew Mitch- Richmond until someone just... Until you mentioned it. I thought... I was thinking like Richardson or something like that. But you were yeah. close. The
0: other one was um, the offensive line. Uh, he talked about... Um, yeah, there's a lot of offensive line. Chris already mentioned this earlier, so that's why you're, you know USC is recruiting the offensive line. You have to recruit it hard, and you know they've struck out on some of the the top top guys, but they're going to bring in some you know some quality players because uh, you you already got like COVID year guys here that are a little for extra. So there's a lot of experience on the offensive line, but it's
1: going to go away. You're and, uh, you're you're losing Bobby Haskins, who's grad transfer. Yeah. You're losing Andrew Voorhees, who's a six-year guy. You're losing Brett Nealon, who I think is out of eligibility after this. Yeah, I think. Yeah. He, you know, he was deciding whether to leave last year, so right. he, he, you know, he's already at that point. So that's three right off the bat. That's three, three. That's two starters, maybe three with Haskins, depending on where he falls in the lineup, and then Justin Deded. He's a redshirt senior. He probably could stay another season. You know, he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of starts, but if he starts twelve games this year, has a really good year, he could, you know take that next step, see see where he wants to go with the with his football career. So he's a possibility. You know, he's probably a guy, I would say probably his last year at USC. So that's four guys right off the bat. You know, you have the two young guys, Cortland Ford and Jonah Monheim, you can build around. But after that, you don't have a lot of experience. Probably you're going to need Cooper Lovelace to compete for a starting job yep. in 2023. He's got three years left. He's got three years left. If you don't bring in a blue-chip guy like a, like a Lucas Simmons or, or a Francis Mauioga, if you don't flip either of those guys, you know it's hard to be a day-one contributor on the offensive line. You know, you're going from high school where you're bullying guys to college where they're grown men lining up across from you right. in practice and in games and on Saturdays. So that's a big jump. So... Whoever you sign, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to help you day one. So you're probably going to have to lean on the portal. You know, we've talked about it. Uh, offensive lineman, experience, experienced offensive lineman. When they get in the portal, they're gone like that. So you're probably going to have to, to to work that portal a little bit to get some older players to help kind of bridge that that 2022 class. You know, you want to develop them for a year, maybe get them time later in the season. So you're probably gonna have to rely on the portal, assuming you don't get a couple a couple blue chip guys that, you know, maybe they'll struggle a little bit, but they could probably play from day one and help you day one. Um, even though, you know, there's gonna be ups and downs. But ideally, you're gonna wanna develop those guys for a year. Yeah. 2023 is when you kind of throw them into the fire a little bit. So you're probably gonna need to go to the portal again to kind of help alleviate um some of that uh some of that pressure for the for this class and if usc has a really good season you know 10 wins wins the yeah, past 12 whatever it's gonna help a lot to sell like hey we're doing this we're gonna we're gonna compete again we got kayla back for 2023 come be a part of this line so yeah. a lot of things you can sell there so i just i'm just assuming they're gonna have to get a little little portal help uh for next year considering that they're losing upwards of four guys off this this year's line yeah we you know Bobby Haskins someone too it's like he was a multi-year
0: starter at Virginia that's transferred in like he wasn't a cast off like he's someone that we don't know where he's going to fit in because he was injured for the spring but
1: and coaches change uh your position coaches change position coaches leave coaches get fired there's a bunch of reasons why guys who can play enter and leave their school yeah um this was an interesting comment.
0: Oh, no. pro-consumer safety i saw you while in catalina however i just did not know wow it was your group until i saw your instagram uh, post later on looked like your camps uh, so maybe they passed us in the campsite wow so we were probably over uh interesting i don't know where they were it was either we were in uh shark harbor um or we
1: were at uh two harbors so we had two different camps who was this there.
0: This is pro-consumer safety pro-consumer
1: so. safety I want you to prove it do you remember anything <laughs> what he was wearing how many people were in the group anything that can I can and if I it depends when I was if, it, if I had the
0: black eye at the time or not or if you got to see that right um let's go to a question from Brett in Knoxville uh, he emailed us in hey Ryan and Chris this a question for you guys uh, I was wondering what the reaction would have been if champagne Larry oh I think I deleted that Oh well. Uh Champagne Larry was still a commissioner and his reaction to both LA schools leaving for the Big Ten. Like to hear your guys' thoughts. Thanks and fight on. Um, so what would Larry Scott have done? So Larry would be he'd never have, like if you asked the like why is the why is Pac-12 football not making the playoff, he would say, Washington Rowing just won the national championship. So he would sort of be like, he probably would talk about well, Oregon's been great, and uh, we know Washington's going to get better. And I think that's kind of like the direction that he would go. Uh, he would just talk about he would ignore what your problem was and talk about something else that was good about the conference. Um, that didn't really help. No, the issue that no. was being uh, brought up. Right, it had nothing to do it. Like that's why Klavkov is like, you know, when you ask him about like what can you do with Pac-12 network, he's like. It sucks. I think I like he would. Like, I like our content. I like the people we got there. Our distribution is bad. Unfortunately, it's locked into a contract. Happened before I got here. He wouldn't even say that, but it was because it happened before he got here. And we can fix it in 2024. I, in the meantime, here's what we can do. But the big problem, we there's a problem, and I can't fix it till 2024. So he would he would address things straight up, you know, which is great. It was another things you like about him. And Larry Scott just was like, ignore anything that you, you know, he would try to change the narrative. Like Larry Scott hired like a, what a reporter to give a more positive spin on the PAC 12, like someone that would come and ask questions. And he went like, he was basically, it was not changing. It was not like fixing the engine. It was like putting a piece of tape over the check engine light. Like if I don't see the check engine light on the car, ain't broke, you know? Right. Um, so he was somewhat, you know. He wanted a second, you know, a dip, a, a, a more positive media. Person. He really thought that it was the media were not painting the Pac-12 in a positive light. And uh, yeah, that's just a little insight into his mindset. Uh, Lloyd wrote in. It seems to me the hot the top high school football programs in California. There should be some good offensive linemen and defensive linemen. It looks to me that schools are buying top offensive linemen and if SE isn't buying players, they need to start to develop the local talent. Uh would you like your opinion? I would like your opinion on what Lincoln Riley's plans are from Lloyd. I think this was before the latest
1: commitment, Chris, but um right.
0: any thoughts on that? Have you talked about offensive line recruiting and stuff before? I don't know if you brought it up at all or
1: uh, n- never on the two star podcast. <laughs> you know, that it's not really the direction want. we want to go. Uh but jokes aside, check out the two-star composite uh, podcast, uh, USC recruiting podcast, the only USC recruiting podcast out there. Me and Gerard, aka Hurricane, uh, dropping pretty much every week, um, and we have talked about USC offensive line recruiting at nauseum. And these are this is we've we've faced questions like this in terms of you know West Coast offensive linemen and offensive line recruiting. Uh, but this question in particular, you know, top high schools out on the West Coast. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of really good high school programs out here. You know, obviously St. John Bosco, uh, modern day, uh, other Trader League programs. You know, uh, Sarah is a good, is a, is a, you know, once powerhouse, Long Beach Poly. But the thing is, offensive linemen and defensive linemen on the West Coast are just built different than. What you find sort of in the Midwest and those in the South and those SEC guys who come in already like six foot five, three hundred thirty pounds or three hundred fifty pounds. You know, you see it out there. You know, when you know you see camps held in Louisiana as opposed to camps held out here in Mission Viejo, you see the body types. You know, me and Gerard have talked about this in terms of the West Coast body types. Whatever for whatever reason, they just develop so much later. In their careers. So the the linemen, you know, you're finding out south those three six foot, six foot four, three thirty guys. That's not what you're finding out here. You're finding guys that are like Tobias Raymond, who's six foot seven, 250 pounds. That's a good looking frame, but it's all about more so about the projections down the line in two years, especially with offensive line in general. Like a lot of your offers are going off projections. You could offer a tight end as an offensive lineman because most of the top NFL draft picks are guys who play tight end. And most of them are guys who were two-star prospects in high school or guys that weren't recruited at all because it's all about projections and development. And so West Coast offensive linemen especially and defensive linemen don't come that big out of the South like in Midwest and those, and those those cornfred boys and stuff like that. They're a little bit sleeker, and we don't really have an answer as to why that is. You know, they come in like 250, 260, and you got to get them in the weight room and put on 50 pounds. We say this all the time it's easier to put on weight for a guy, uh, a growing high school guy, as opposed to taking off weight. So that's one of the issues you see with offensive linemen out here in the West, linemen in general in the West. They need more development. And I think that's sort of the plan uh, Lincoln Riley and Josh Henson, who's known for his development. Has to go through, you know. You know, you you still recruit those big blue chip guys. You know, those Francis Mauiogas, the Lucas Simmons, the six foot six guys, six foot seven guys who are three hundred or three ten already. You know, you Lincoln Riley, this recruiting staff, his recruiting uh, acumen. They're going after blue chip guys. They're not ignoring blue chip guys. But right now, as you can see, the guys that they've taken on need a little bit more development, and that's okay. Because in two or three years, that could pay off really, really nicely for them. But it helps that you also have the transfer portal to kind of help. Like five years ago, I think there'd be a lot more worry just because you don't have a situation like the transfer portal where you can go and help alleviate some deficiencies on your roster. And I think right now the plan is to just build an offensive line class. If it's a guy who can help two years from now, okay, that's fine. We need those guys. Is it a guy who can help you day one? Even better. Even better. But just build a class and you'll hit the portal when you need to. And if you have a great season, get a blue chip in. That's great. Um, And I yeah, yeah, I don't even want to touch the NIL stuff because, again, I talk about that ad nauseum. Yes, schools with collectives and, you know, I'm not going to name schools, but there are schools that are playing the NIL game to their benefit and they're using it heavily in recruiting. What's going to happen in, in three years? I don't know what that's going to look like. If they're going to be cracked down, if they're going to be on punishment. I don't know. So that's the name of the game right now. Yeah. Some schools are doing that more so than other schools. And, you know, USC is still building an offensive line class. And will that hurt with some top, top guys? Probably, you know, you saw it with Josh Connerly. You saw it with, uh, uh, yeah, Connerly. And so I think, you know, they'll adapt, they'll change. But I think they're going to keep going with their plan, which is develop guys, bringing the guys that, yeah. you know, we 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 think are gonna be great players down the line. That's all you can do with offensive linemen. You know, you want five star guys and they're gonna go after five star guys, but just build the class. Don't worry about going after all five star guys because that's not gonna be what a realistic class looks like. It's guys you bring in and you develop. And I've taken up way too much time with this question. That's all
0: right. Uh the develop part
1: is is, you know, I felt like before. You bring in a guy
0: with like a five-star guy like Chuma Odoga, and he just never seems to get any better, but they draft him because he still has all that potential. And then he gets better when he gets to the NFL. It, you felt like what USC was doing was like you, they brought guys in, and you're like, I hope you're good because we need you to be good, but we're not going to make you better. And that's just not – you can't really do that on the offensive line unless you're bringing in you know Austin Jacksons all the time, and they stopped doing that. Um, but if you bring in guys that you like, and you can develop them into good players –
1: Like Cooper Lovelace, let's say Cooper Lovelace starts in 2023, gets like second team all Pac-12. You know, that's a guy that Josh Henson can say, look at. This guy was a a guy who didn't play high school football until his senior year of of, of high school and did a stint in Juco. And, you know, he was this and that. And I turned him into this all Pac-12 caliber guy who, you know, could be first team all Pac-12. I've developed him. And that sells in recruiting, especially when you're talking about getting to the next level. It's like that's what the the main goal is for a lot of kids, but you know, it, it helps to have the results to be like, look what I did here, 100%. look what I did here. So, that'll you, help. That'll help for for the
0: future classes. And you want to see potential in guys. If there's a someone that has a big frame like you would watch, oh, he throws the discus, so he's got great footwork, but he might be a little undersized. Whatever it is. With Cooper Lovelace like, "Oh, that guy can do the split." You know, like you're seeing you see the potential in someone like Uh, He's athletic Bill. You don't want to get the guy that's like as big as he could be and just pushes around smaller defensive linemen in his high school. Isn't that athletic, but he just, he's got pretty good tape because he's just dominating lower competition, but there's no upside there. So that's part of the recruiting process too, is that you're finding the guys that are like, okay, well, he's not exactly what you want for an all PAC 12 player. But here's why he could be because we can put 50 more pounds on that frame and his feet move this way and, and he's he's a mean sob right and he, he has an attitude he's a Justin Dedech attitude he pulls trucks for fun um, stuff like that then you will work with so I think it's all coming it all has to come together and I think for the offensive line to get to that getting those five stars in there nil will probably be a part of it but it's really more about hey what are they doing on the field so and
1: the five star guys want to go to the NFL. Yeah, that's what the big thing is like, hey, can you get me to the NFL? And if you can show you can develop a three star guy. You know, it's like, hey, I've been putting out these three star guys who are c- performing at this level. Imagine what I can do with you. Right. Big Hoss. So come 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 join me.
0: Uh, I wouldn't uh, read this one because we only have one more email left, but it's another offensive line thing, but it's it's an international one. It's from the Calum, Cayman Islands, so I'm going to read oh. it for you, Chris. So We might not have to address it because I think you've talked about it, but regarding USC's recruiting for guys on the offensive defensive line, I've heard the issues going back to even the Pete Carroll days, but I can't help but wonder why it is that even our current conference rivals, such as Oregon and Stanford, can seemingly get four- and five-star offensive linemen, but USC struggles. You know if Lincoln Riley had these issues at Oklahoma as well. Also, do you see that USC is trying their hand uh, the transfer portal more in the future for linemen, given that the West Coast there still have need a bit more development to get when they get there onto campus uh, more than their East Coast counterparts. And finally, do you see recruiting getting easier if USC and the rest of the Pac-12 teams are left out of the Big Ten uh, or for USC if the rest of the Pac-12 teams are left out of the Big Big Ten or SEC? Really enjoy the show.
1: Fight on. Tom, class of 2007 from the Cayman Islands. I will say this, just because I talked a lot about development and, and, you know, plan moving forward. I will say this in terms of, you know, the Oregon and Stanford question. Negative recruiting goes on, and we've talked about this on Two Star. It's – think of it like this. In the Clay Helton era, especially later, it was so much easier – to recruit against that when you could say to a recruit and a parent, hey, is that guy going to be around in several years? One of the biggest benefits you can have when you're recruiting a kid is stability. You know, Lincoln Riley, the most stable coach in the Pac-12 right now. Stability helps sell recruits and their families. You know, you don't want to go sign for a guy who is on the hot seat, you know, And that comes up in conversations with other schools, and one thing that came up with USC at the end there was the air raid offense, and in terms of, hey, they're playing this air raid scheme, that's not really going to help you uh, develop as a NFL guy. Like, how is that going to help you get to the next level? And, you know, that's something that has been thrown around, and that's something that I think that's being thrown out a little bit for Lincoln Riley and his sort of quote unquote air raid offense, which is not really an air raid offense considering how successful they are running the ball. So I think a lot of it will be with USC plays this season and Lincoln Riley can really showcase what this offense is and sort of uh, push against those, those, those notions that this is like a, a air raid offense. It's much more than that. And you can show like, Hey, we can run the ball down team's throats. And we can show you run blocking, and hey, yeah. look at this pass blocking. So, I think when USC wins games and they're putting up points, they're going to have those clips and they'll be like, "Hey, look, we're we're not a narrate offense. Look at us. We're running. We run for two fifty against so and so. Yeah. Look at look at our look at our guards. Look at them pulling. Look at our tackles putting dudes in the dirt. So, that's something that you can show tangible things you can show to a recruit, and obviously, Lincoln Riley ain't on the hot seat which is something that you can no. recruit against when you're a Pac-12 rival. Right,
0: 100%. And you know, just being able to say, you're in the Big Ten, you're playing, yes. you know, Oregon's going to be going to uh, Pullman, and, oh, USC's going to the Big, the big House. House. Yeah. You know, like, okay, so I think that's going to be used, too. Someone made a comment about um, Chubadoga, the Jets aren't happy with him, like, What did Chumadoga do at USC? Like he just was just kind of around, right? And people complained about it. But I mean, he's been a starting offensive lineman in the NFL for a while. Like that's that's a major accomplishment just to to be a starting. You know, whatever you were talking about, the Jets don't like him or something. But it's significant. I mean, the fact that he was a starting NFL offensive lineman. If you looked at him, his performance at USC, you wouldn't have said, "Oh, he's going to be a starting offensive lineman." Uh, We got one more voicemail. All right.
2: Hey Ryan Curtis, I just saw an article in the Times that is equating Todd Marinovich with Caleb Williams. Like the pressure that his father is putting on him with all the NIL businesses and everything is going to be so much pressure till he's going to go to the crack pipe like Todd Marinovich. Thanks for the um, foretelling of the future, you hack. Fight on. Go Trojans Curtis from Moreno Valley
0: Hey Curtis uh I did not see that article in the LA Times was it maybe a letter to the editor or was it, I don't know who Seems like a letter to the editor kind maybe. of Maybe uh I don't know Uh but let send us let us you know, know what that was I don't know what you're talking about Um you know, I spoke with Todd Moretovich recently like at an event last year I think um and he's you know he's still struggling, but he's doing. I mean, doing a lot better, uh, which is good. I don't know if you'd equate the two. I think the pressure. I was in school when Todd Marinus was in school. There was different kind of pressure. This you guys was class more, together. Uh, I did not know. Okay. Um, I was an engineer, man. Like I, no, one. <laughs> he. Uh, yeah, no offense, but he was not an engineering class. Um, yeah, like that was more athletic pressure. Like he he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, having never eaten a cheeseburger or, and all that stuff wasn't true. Like he was smoking pot in school. Like it was just, but the, there was a lot of pressure for him to be this amazing quarterback. It's sort of like the, he had his own quarterback coach, you know, in his house where like, now you're going to like voluntarily going to Steve Clarkson or whatever to get coached up. But there was, I think there was a lot of pressure. It was more about performance and athleticism. And this is more about, Hey, marketing yourself, but Caleb Williams family is very successful. I don't, He's someone when you talk to him, and you you can you realize he can handle all of this. Like, I don't feel like that would be a, an equitable uh, comparison. I don't think that's a good, I don't think it's a good comparison, and I don't think it's going to ruin Caleb Williams. Is his dad involved a lot more? I don't know his dad. I haven't talked to his dad. I know some of some of the reporters and stuff have. You might have, Chris, um, but I don't. I don't see that being the same sort of thing uh, as Todd Moreno. It just seems like a very different, uh,
1: you know, scenario. I would just say it feels like with Todd, it was more like his camp or his father was putting the pressure on him and in, in terms of all the other, in, in addition to the other outside influences. And I would agree that Caleb does have a lot of pressure on him yeah, uh, from outside influences. But I think the difference is, his father and his family try to protect him much more. Um, they they don't try to add to that. They just kind of let him be Caleb. Um, and naturally, Caleb is a talented person. And obviously, you're going to get NIL, NIL deals. You're going to get all this attention. And you're going to carry a lot of weight on your shoulders. But I think it's more so about trying to alleviate a lot of that pressure and in terms of not putting more pressure on your son just because he's your son right? and sort of being overbearing. It's more like, hey, be Caleb. I'm going to help you with this because I don't want to add more to it. Right. I think that's sort of the main difference uh, between these two uh, quarterback situations.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's 100% fair. But thanks for the voicemail. Um, we So for whatever reason, I still haven't figured this out. We can only put up moderated questions from YouTube for the first hour. So I don't have any new ones Uh, Populating, but I have a couple that I'm going to pull up and then uh, I'll look for a couple that are in the chat that I won't be able to put on the screen. My apologies for that. Um, So the question is concerning scheduling. Would it make sense to schedule back-to-back road games where the team stays on the road, not returning to LA, and the players doing online classes for a week? I think that's one of the options that's going to happen um, or they will be discussed. They, They have two years to figure this out. That's what Kevin Warren said this morning. So I think that's something that you
1: could potentially do. I don't, any thoughts on that one, Chris? Or I think it's interesting. I think we were asked about this on the two star, but I think initially we sort of like downplayed that possibility. But I, it could happen. You know that that could be something where you know they put them up for a week, and to to just limit that. You know they. Would, I think I don't know. It would just be like it would feel more like a job at that point, just because you're living out of a hotel at that right. point. Yeah. And do you want to set them up like that just to have that feeling? I don't know. Yeah.
0: Uh, next one uh, from Blackie Chan Plays. Do you think that Micah's comments about USC going to the Big Ten will start a snowball effect? Will other recruits say, hey, USC's in the Big Ten. I, I want to go there too. And
1: Yeah, I think that's already like on the radar for a lot of kids. But to have a kid... Go out and say that. That's kind of one of the main reasons. Yeah, I think that could be, that could be something. And that's obviously something he's going to be talking about on the back end with guys he's recruiting, like Alani Noah, and they're offensive linemen. So chances are they're going to redshirt that first first year. So their real like, their real season where they're like in line to be starters or whatever is going to be the first Big Ten season. So that's well on their radar. So I think that's definitely something that you're going to see a lot more kids talk about when they commit, especially you know, the next cycle. Yeah. Some people were commenting about the working thing that
0: people are offering to send videos of them working to show you that they're, they're working. Sure.
1: Did Um, we
0: get like a comment on what they're doing? No. One one said, you're only thinking about North American time zones. So we have international people. So there's a, there's that. So, so to this, this might be middle of the night for some other people. That's true. That's also
1: true. That's, that's on me. But if you're international, I want to know where you're. Oh, where where are, you are you watching from? from?
0: Italy? Manford said, how can we watch Pac-12 Media Day? So I believe before they weren't doing the live broadcast on Pac-12 Network, <laughs> uh, but they are now. <laughs> so this year they were like, another thing that you're like, what? You're not even like broadcasting this? Um. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's one of those things where you can watch it on Pac-12 Network, I believe. But I think that's a new thing. So it's sort of like they never really figured out what was important. Um, we also had any chance that USC and UCLA leave the PAC 12 early. I don't think so. Like the, they for Oklahoma and Texas, when they left, it was like, you still got a lot of time on the deal. Um, now it's just like this awkward phase for quite a while. I I believe from what I was told, they waited up to like the last minute before it's like, if you sign a contract with a company, your contract, like Chris and I are both, well, Chris is an employee, but like, I'm a contractor with CBS. Um, you know, say the contract goes for four years, you don't wait till the very end. And then it just like, you say, oh, let's do it again. Like there's usually a window in there. Like, oh, at six months, if you haven't, um, renegotiated or said, you're going to leave it rolls over for another year or something, usually something like that in a contract. I believe the PAC 12 thing was like that, where if you didn't give notice that you were going to be out of the next contract by, you know, I think it was a two year window, it might be wrong, but they're, um, and they kind of waited till the end of that. And then if you say, Hey, I'm going to leave, it's like giving notice on your lease or something. Like you have to give notice or whatever. And USC and UCLA gave notice. And I think the waiting two years makes sense. They need the, the planning for the two years. I don't think you'd want to get out early. You just try to get some more money. It's, this is more of a long-term play. So I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to kind of get out early. And any thoughts on that one, Chris, or?
1: No, I mean, you're already, like, essentially destroying a conference. Let's not, like, throw more salt in it. It's just like... Right. Let's just... You're going to get to the Big Ten. It's just not, like... Yeah, don't, you don't need to, like, like
0: make, as make fast it, as yeah, possible. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so the the Texas-Oklahoma one's different. Because, I mean, USC waited to the end. Their contract was coming up, but... The Texas Oklahoma was like contracts not up for a while, and we went out, and so they were kind of forcing that. They're in this really awkward. They're going to be, I mean, and I don't know if they're going to end up paying the big money. But in theory, USC and UCLA are going to be in the Big Ten playing games, while Texas and Oklahoma are still in the Big Twelve playing against Cincinnati and BYU and uh, you know UCF and stuff. So that's kind of weird. Uh, but we'll see if that if they end up pushing it. But yeah, there's no reason for USC. I don't see one to leave. Also, early.
1: Big Ten is a meat grinder. He was he's not built for that right now. Let them beat up on the Pac-12 for two more years. Let them recruit some really good classes for the Big Ten with the Big Ten in mind, and let them let them restock that way. You're not stocked right now to compete with the Big Ten yeah. in terms of your depth and, and, and such and such. So give it two years. Let them win some games in the Pac-12. Maybe a couple championships. Get some really good recruiting classes with with the thought with the with eyeing that Big Ten move, and then you'll be good to go. Yeah. Um, Jackie Chan plays
0: again said, Tell Chris, I work for a merger and acquisitions company. Phil Parker says, Tell Chris our law firm is into
1: acquiring other law firms. So people are kind of telling you what they do. There's a lot of big money in this uh there, in yeah. this in this uh in this chat. It,
0: there's bunch. Are we still
1: good. around 240?
0: Uh, yeah, 240, 248. 247.
1: Okay. No, someone leave. Give us 247. We had 247 for a second there.
0: 247. Um, oh, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. The question was, it's on your how- shirt, right? <laughs> that's true. Rep, uh, how the hell is Kalen Bullock not on the Thorpe watch list? I know he'll get on, but who are these quote experts making the list? Um, yep. I. Do not like watch lists. I think they're worthless.
1: <laughs> I said, Ryan, you want you want me to go through the watch list today? He was like, No, I hate them. I
0: don't like watch lists. Um, Marquise Lee won the Politkov in what 2011 or something? Twelve wasn't on the watch list to start. You know, like, and they put like a hundred people on that thing. So I just think they're worthless. Like they're way like you know, people get on like preseason or way too early, top twenty five. Like, eh, like that's. That's fine. You're picking some teams or whatever, but man, watch lists are just terrible. Like I, I just think they're worthless. So i I would not worry about Kalen Bullock not being on the Thorpe Award watch list. Any
1: thoughts, Chris? Are you, are you a fan? I was a little surprised. I thought he would at least. I thought he would make the watch list because he's yeah. gotten some, some buzz. Freshman American last year. Um, but that's fine. I mean, like you said, if you have a great season and you're not on the watch list at the start of the season, doesn't really matter. Because if you have a great season, you're going to get noticed by the end. So, yeah, I, I was a little shocked he wasn't on there, but I don't think it's a big deal in the, in the end.
0: Yeah. Um, Sorry, we had like a spammer. I'm going to cool. put some user in a timeout or whatever. Um, let's see. So we had a couple people ask about USC Rice score predictions. And then John wants to know USC Stanford score predictions. <laughs> so early. Way early. Uh, I I'll, I'll
1: do way early though That's okay good. what do you want uh I'll go oh my gosh 50 no no screw it 52 19. wow
0: gonna beat Stanford that bad huh? oh that was that was no, right oh <laughs> my goodness oh my goodness uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of yeah. my Stanford ones so I I'll feel yeah something. I feel it's gonna be something like I think they are gonna put bad. up like a double Rice nickel. Is bad. They're bad, like 55, but they they might give up some points later or something. It might like, so, like, you're going to score a lot of points and people feel happy, but then they gave up too many points and people are going to be complaining about it. So, it'll be like 55, 24, something like that, I think. This one's a little bit tougher. Stanford's butt, if you remember.
1: Right. Not as butt as Rice, because Not as butt as Rice. At, Because at least Stanford has, like, an NFL guy and Tanner McKee at quarterback. Yeah. But I'll say. 41-28. Whoa, 28. twenty-eight points. Um, I think it's going to be more of a
0: like a forty-eight to twelve, something like oh, that. Oh, like, okay. Yeah, like I think they're going to destroy okay. Stanford this year.
1: So. Look, I'm going with that garbage time, some garbage time tuggies. Okay. For for McKee, help that NFL tape.
0: Nice. Um, okay. The uh, people were asking about the bake off.
1: Um, I think we're gonna do it the week after we're gonna close out this month, pac 12 Media Day, yeah, put in our rear view, get our get our schedule, and then we're gonna we're gonna bake these little red velvet cuppy cakes. Yeah. Uh, throw down. I still don't know who's gonna judge. We still don't have that worked out. We're gonna we'll figure all that stuff out. So
0: uh, sweet. Well, we really appreciate everyone uh, tuning in. If you're listening on the Parastol Podcast, any of the feeds, thank you for that. If you're watching uh, live on YouTube or watching the replay on YouTube that's awesome if somebody just gave you a cassette tape that they bootlegged this off of and you're listening to that on your walkman walking around the, your town we love that too wherever you listen to us however you're doing it it's a, you know can and string i don't care how thank you <laughs> <Sure>. for listening <laughs> that's for old people uh thank you for listening and or watching and really being a part of the show i love that we can do these live and we can get some interaction from fans as we go um, it's a lot of fun. So I, you know, I know Chris is giving you crap for not working. We appreciate you taking a break. I'm
1: from not work. giving you crap. I'm just concerned. <laughs> I don't want them to get fired and they can't afford their uscfootball.com membership, even though it's a dollar. Yeah, we're in a recession too. Are we were worried about people not working. Is that
0: what's going on? Or I guess we're not. Are we? Tech, I think we're like technically in a recession, but they're not calling it a recession or something.
1: I don't know. But um, so you're concerned about the workforce. I just all I, these people watching. I just. I just want to know what these people are doing. Who wants to watch me is what I'm, I'm more concerned about, what uh, I'm more flabbergasted by. Me and a guy with a black eye. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well,
0: I think that's going to wrap things up. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We had some good news. We got the offensive line commitment, four-star offensive lineman, yay. Uh, USC and UCLA getting full shares in the, in the Big Ten. Um, some good stuff uh, we got out today, and you know, hopefully, we'll get some more good news at Pac-12 Media Day. And the focus will really shift towards whatever's going on the conference alignment, what's going to happen on the field. And I think that's that's something important because it can set U- USC up for quite a while uh, afterwards. Having a really good season, winning the Pac-12 in year one would be a big deal. I know it's going to be tough because Utah. I think Utah is going to be really good, um, but a team that looks better, shows improvement you know, wins 8, 9, 10 games, something like that, and looks good. I think that's more important than anything, like see how they look. Um, yeah, I think that's all going to be important stuff. So uh, we're, when, when, when media day happens, that's all we're so focused on. We're getting right into, into, into fall camp and then obviously rolling into the season and talking about real games and players and guys making plays and not, how much breakup. money you're going to make, uh, by joining a new conference, but all that stuff's important too. Um, but it would give us something to talk about for the last couple of months, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, but I want to talk about some games and uh, we'll get to do that. So, all right. Going to wrap things up, uh, over there is Chris Trevino. I am Ryan Abraham. Black eye should be healed by next week. Uh, I think we'll try to do a tunnel vision show on Sunday. If you're around Chris, um, you have an
1: excuse to go out of town now.
0: Yeah. So I was out of town for the last month, so That's why we didn't do it. But we did one last week. We'll try to do one uh, this week. So, uh, But that will wrap it up. Um, that is Chris Termino. I am Ryan Abraham. We really appreciate you listening, watching to our little show. Hope you enjoyed it. And we will talk to you next time.
1: You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices this is dan bain of trader joe's the answer is simple it's all in the way we do business we buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible this helps to keep our costs low and we pass those savings on to you no gimmicks just great values at honest prices every day at trader joe's thanks for listening